Welcome to another episode of Come Follow Me, Disciples Journey. This episode will cover third cover, third Nephi chapter 18. To jump right in. Christ institutes the sacrament. So the very first verse says that it came to pass that Jesus commanded his, his disciples that they should bring forth some bread and wine unto him. This is interesting to me because this is the risen Lord Christ, the creator of the world. He could have manifested bread and wine. Ta-da! And yet he instructs his disciples to go and get some and bring it. He didn't need them to. He allowed them to help. He does that. He does that for us. He allows us to help in his work because it's good for us. Because it helps us become and develop and become more like him. Uh, And so from the very beginning of that, that just struck me um, from this chapter. Talking about the sacrament, this comes from the Come Follow Me manual. I just really love this quote from President Eyring. He said, as you examine your life during the ordinance of the sacrament, I hope your thoughts center not only on things you have done wrong, but also on things you have done right. Moments when you have felt the Heavenly Father and the Savior were pleased with you. You may even take a moment during the sacrament to ask God to help you see these things. When I have done this, the Spirit has reassured me that while I am still far away, far from perfect, I am better today than I was yesterday. And this gives me confidence that because of the Savior, I can be even better tomorrow. So I, again, harp on this, harp, I guess, but just pound on it. I don't know. Reiterate. This time that the Savior spends is so uh, intertwined, the the messages and the, the, the things that he shares and the ministering. He institutes the sacrament. The sacrament is an as President Eyring says, is an example and a perfect opportunity to examine our life, see where we are, focus on the good, understand the bad, repent for the bad, obviously, but be better than we were the day before and know that we can be even better tomorrow. Which, if that line of thought and if that line of reasoning and if that line of action is followed to to the quote-unquote end, where do you end up? You end up like him, even perfect like him, like he commanded back in 3 Nephi chapter 12. The sacrament is one of the ways in which, it's one of the, the tools that he uses to help create us, make us, mold us into creatures who can keep the commandment to be perfect. Elder Holland, talking about the sacrament, uh, described several appropriate ways to remember the Lord while renewing um, our covenants and making covenants through the ordinance of the sacrament. He said, we could remember the Savior's premortal life and all that we know him to have done. We could remember the simple grandeur of his immortal birth to a, to just a young woman. We could remember Christ's miracle uh, miracles as his, and his teachings and his healings and his help. We could remember that Jesus found special joy and happiness in children and said all of us should be more like them. We could remember that Jesus Christ called his disciples friends. We could and should remember that wonderful things that have come to us in our lives and that all things which are good cometh of Christ. On some days we will have cause to remember the unkind treatment he received and rejection and he experienced and the injustice he endured. We can remember that Jesus had to descend below all things before he could ascend above them all. And he suffered the pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind that he might be filled with mercy and know how to succor his people and their infirmities. So he institutes the sacrament, teaches them about it. Um, It stands out to me that he says in verse 7, 
And this shall be ye do in remembrance of my body, which I have shown unto you. And it shall be a testimony unto the Father that ye do always remember me. And if ye do always remember me, ye shall have my spirit to be with you. And then again in verse 10, and when the disciples had done this, so now it's after the, the, the wine, Jesus said unto them, Blessed are ye for this thing which ye have done, for this is fulfilling of my commandments. And this doth witness unto the Father that ye are willing to do that which I have commanded you. And if you do what I have commanded you, and so those those things, verses 7 and, and 10, they, they go together. And it's the, noticeably the things that we promise in the sacramental uh, prayer in our covenant, right? To take upon us his name, to uh, always remember him, and that we are willing to do that which he has commanded, to keep his commandments. Um, it also is um, noteworthy that it's they partook of the bread and they were filled. They uh, drink of the wine and they were filled. What were they filled with? Surely not of, with bread and wine, but with with the Spirit, with joy, with the things that matter most, the things that our spirits crave, things that worldly things like food and wine and water can't satisfy or fill. That's what they were filled with. Uh, in verse uh, 16, he says, And as I have prayed among you, even so, you shall, even so shall you pray in my church among my people who do repent and are baptized in my name. Behold, I am the light. I have set an example for you. So what kind of prayer is he talking about? Well, I think in the context of the sacrament, he's talking about the sacrament prayer, Right. But also think back to chapter 17, the kind of prayers that he was praying, the, th- the ones that you couldn't even describe or use words to say what was said. He set an example of how to pray, how to pass the sacrament, and he wants us to follow that example. Elder Maxwell said, Each of us plays various roles in family, church, community, business, education, and so forth. Though we have differing needs, we have in common the need to focus on all Christ's qualities, especially those which individually we must need to develop more fully. We can, of course, stop short and merely adopt a few techniques illustrated by the Savior, but unless we emulate him as completely as we can, we will have deprived ourselves of the great model. Moreover, our emulation is to be of both style and substance. God's love underwrites his listening, for instance. Can we conceive of a God who is a non-listener, or is lacking in power, or who is unwilling to assert himself on an issue of principle? As we become more like him, it will take place in both attributes and actions. He has set the example for us in prayer, in the sacrament, but in all things, in the way that we live our life, in the way that we listen. Are we a Christ-like listener? In the way that we stand up for the truth and principles. Are we a Christ-like defender of truth? Because surely he was. We say that he was, we say we use the word meek, right? And we go back to 3 Nephi chapter 12 and the Beatitudes and what does it mean to be meek? He didn't just let people get away with sinning. He stood up for truth and he corrected them. He went into their synagogues and looked them in their face and told them that they were in error. He, He got killed for it. Because he stood up for the truth. He didn't just lay down and let people walk all over him and walk all over the truth. No. He did it in a loving way. So that's what a Christ-like defender of truth. And there's, I think there's a difference between the def- a defender of truth and a Christ-like defender of truth. 
And as we in a, in a social media world have to, just have to stand up for truth, it's increasingly difficult to be a Christ-like defender of truth. It's really easy to sit behind a computer and tweet something out or post something on Facebook and say, yeah, I did it, when really all you're doing is ruffling feathers. But to do it in a way that invites people to come into Christ, that's something, that's something else. That's something different. Uh, move on to verse 18. He says, Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, ye must watch and pray always, lest ye enter into temptation. For Satan desireth to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. One of the ways in which Satan can have us and sift us is to stir us up to anger. Look through the entire Book of Mormon. Uh, think back to uh, Zarahemna in Alma. He wanted to stir the Lamanites up to anger so that he could control he wanted to stir them up to anger against the Nephites so that he could control, not the Nephites, but the Lamanites, so that he could control the Lamanites. Uh, by watching and praying always, we can find peace in our heart, no matter the differences that we have with the world. And there are a lot. There is, the chasm between truth and disciples of Christ and the world right now is large and ever-growing. And it, I've been there. I can look out at the world and say, the world is insane and it makes me angry because I want to just shout the truth and the, the truth is just being shotgun blasted every day. But if I, if I act in a certain way with anger, then, that, then Satan gets me too. I don't want that. If we watch and pray always in the morning, in, at midday, in the evening, as we connect those prayers, as we live to live in a way to try to answer our own prayers and live in a way to try to answer the prayers of other people to feed the hungry and lift up the poor. That's a, that's a way in which our actions become an, an everlasting or an ongoing prayer. And as elder Maxwell said that as we become more like him, it will take place in both attributes and actions President Eyring talked about watching and praying always. He said, what does the master mean when he warns us to pray always? I'm not wise enough to know all of his purposes in giving us a covenant to always remember him and his warning to pray and his in his warning to us to pray always, lest we become overcome. But I know one, it is because he knows perfectly that powerful forces that influence us and also what it means to be human. He knows what it's like to have the cares of life pressed in upon us. He knows how our human powers to cope are not constant. As the forces around us increase in intensity, whatever spiritual strength was once sufficient will not be enough. And whatever growth in spiritual strength we once thought was possible, greater growth will be made available to us. Both the need for spiritual strength and the opportunity to acquire it will increase at rates which we underestimate at our own peril. Start with remembering Him. You will remember what you know and what you love. The Lord hears the prayers of your heart, the feelings of your heart, of love for our Heavenly Father and for His beloved Son can be constant and that your prayers will ascend always. So he says to pray always, and then a couple verses later he says, Pray in your families unto the Father always in my name, that your wives and your children may be blessed. President Hinckley said, I feel satisfied that there is no adequate substitute for the morning and evening practice of kneeling together, father, mother, and children. 
This, more than soft carpets, more than lovely draperies, more than cleverly balanced color schemes, is the thing that will make for better and more beautiful homes. Elder L. Whitney Clayton, last conference, the finest homes. What makes the finest homes? Well, Elder or President uh, Hinckley said, it's not the lovely draperies. It's not the color schemes or your carpets or your granite countertops or your cabinets. It's what we do in the walls of that home. It's the praying morning and night as a family. It's the studying of the scriptures as a family. It's the type, It's the way in which we speak to one another. It's the tone in which we speak with one another. That's what makes a finest home. All right, as we wrap out, wrap out, wrap out. Uh, I'm pretty sure that is like if I were about if I was gonna like wrap for you guys. I'm not. I'm not about to wrap out, but I am about to wrap up. It's a different preposition um so wrapping up pretty famous scripture here and there's one in in corinthians uh that mirrors it about taking the sacrament worthily so it says uh i give unto you the command which i give un- uh, the command which i give unto you that ye shall not suffer anyone knowingly to partake of my flesh and blood unworthily and he, there's several verses about how to handle this situation do you kick him out no, do you, but but you minister to them and, and help them to repent. Important to note, a few verses before that, he says, And now it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words, he turned his eyes again upon the disciples whom he had chosen and said unto them, so he's t- talking to the multitude, and now he turns to just the twelve, the leaders of the church, the, the chosen leaders, and says to them, Take care of the sanctity of the sacrament. Make sure no one takes it unworthily because that will be bad for them. And you are charged with taking care of their souls and their welfare. You have that burden. You have that stewardship. It's not our job to judge other people about the sacrament. It's our job to make sure that we are worthy. Period. The end. Church leaders, on the other hand, they do have an obligation and duty to work with those who are unworthy, to help them repent. A bishop's job, one of the bishop's jobs, right? And it's their job to to do that. It's not ours. Not ours at all. So just interesting and, and important, I think, to note that Christ changed who he was talking to when he started talking about that. He then, um, in verses 36 and 37, that he calls them up, the, the ones he'd call and touch them one by one, the multitude didn't hear. Mormon says, I'll tell you later what he said, that it was that he gave the power of the Holy Ghost, and I'll show you that later. Mormon actually doesn't fulfill that. I've talked in past episodes about how good Mormon is at saying he's going to do something and doing it. He actually fails this one, but guess what? Good thing his son is there, Moroni, picks up the slack. Boom. In uh, Moroni chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, he tell, says, Here's the words that Christ spoke to them when he touched them and gave them the the power and authority to give the gift of the Holy Ghost. Boom. So promise kept, promise fulfilled. His son picked him up. Solid work, Moroni. Solid, solid work. Thank you for listening to this episode. I appreciate your time and uh, your your listening. Uh, I hope you will join me in the next episode as we wrap up this week with 3 Nephi chapter 19. See you on the next episode.